Today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a gospel message so that we can, and some of us here might not know the Lord, so this is for you, but also for those of us who do know the Lord, let's be taking it in so we know how to explain the gospel message. And I'm going to take about 30 minutes. You can do it in much less than that. Okay, so we're going to look at five scriptures, and the title today is We All Need a Saviour. Amen? We all need a saviour. The gospel is good news. The gospel is what Jesus has done for us. He has given us a new start. He has forgiven us of all our sins. He has wiped a record clean. And that's why it's called being born again. Because it's like you get this new start of life. You get a new life. Jesus is our saviour. He saved us from our sins, but it's not just enough to know about that. We've got to make it personal. We've got to know it for ourselves. Not only is Jesus the saviour of the world, Jesus is my saviour. Can you say that? Not only has Jesus saved us from our sins, Jesus has saved me from my sins. We've each got to be able to say that. And we all need saving. So here we go, five scriptures. Are you ready? Number one, you know this one probably, John 3.16. And sometimes people hold that up at like stadiums, <laughs> cricket matches and stuff. They hold up John 3.16. And I think all the non-Christians are thinking, John who? 3.16, that's a weird last name. What does that mean? But that's a, the gospel in a nutshell. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life or eternal life. You know, I could have used that scripture in the kingdom offering. God loved the world so much that he gave. (laughs) We can be givers too. So when we ask Jesus to come into our lives and forgive us of all our sins, this massive change takes place. It starts on the inside and it works its way out. Just like when you throw a stone into a pond, there's a, a splash and then the ripples come out further, further, further. That's what happens. Now we are not talking just a bit of religion here. Oh no. We are talking about a complete life change from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, from the road to hell to the road to heaven. It's like our eyes have been opened. It's like we've been in a dark cave that we were born in for all our lives. And now someone said, come out here, there's light. And we've found the entrance to the cave and we've come outside. It's like, oh my goodness, it's light. There's a whole new world out of here. It's incredible. We are freed from the enemy's power because it's the devil who holds us captive all our lives and he uses our sins like chains to hold us as his captives. Now, sin, that's kind of an old word. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. There are many kinds of sins, the sins we commit, which are bad things that we do, things that hurt the Lord. But there's also the sins of omission, the things we don't do that we should do. Um, Like good things we know that we need to do, but we just can't be bothered doing it. And, you know, we can always think of ourselves in rosy terms, you know, like, hey, I'm a nice guy. I'm not a sinner. Those bad people in jail, they're sinners. You know, they're abusers and rapists, murderers and thieves. They're the sinners, not me. I'm good. I pay tax. And, you know, we can start thinking along those lines. But the reality is every human being is a sinner. And sin separates us from God. And ever since humankind first sinned back in the garden with Adam and Eve when they first disobeyed God, 
We have all inherited that sinful nature and we've all been separated from God because of sin. So ever since then, the Lord has been planning on how to get us back with him again because he loves us. And God is pure and holy and God can't look on sin. God and sin just don't mix. And that's because God is so holy. His holiness repels sin. And I've used this illustration before. Who remembers at school when you're doing science or physics when you're quite young and they give you magnets to play with? Did you ever get two magnets and you try to push them together? And you just can't because they repel each other? It's a bit like that. God is so pure and holy. Sin can't get near him. And this is a problem for God because he loves us. And remember, we're sinners. We've got sin in us. We've got sin on us, so we can't be near him. We can't get to him. And he wanted us to be with him because he created us. He loves us. We're his kids. And every one of us is a sinner, even the nicest little old lady. We're all sinners. Which brings me to my second scripture. Write this one down. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if we're honest, we will say, yes, I'm a sinner. We all are. And, you know, who's ever told a lie? And those of you who are not putting your hands up are telling one right now as I speak. You know, the Ten Commandments, one of them says you shall not lie. Hey, we've all broken at least one of the Ten Commandments, haven't we? We've all told one lie at some point. We have all gone our own way, which is not the Lord's way. So the Lord knew we're all sinners, we're separated. So he's getting this plan. And the Lord knew someone needed to pay for the sin, to make atonement for the whole human race. And there was only one pure enough, one without sin, who could ever be a sacrifice for sin on behalf of the whole human race. And that is his only son, Jesus Christ. So at the perfect time, God fulfilled his plan. He sent his only son, Jesus, down from heaven to earth at Christmas time as a baby. And Jesus came for one reason alone, to die. Can you imagine coming from perfect, beautiful, pure, light-filled, sinless heaven down to this earth? What a come down that would have been. To become a baby, you imagine God, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, becoming a baby who needed someone else to feed him and change his nappy? Man, that would be like you or I going to another planet and becoming a dog. And not just a dog, a chihuahua. A really small dog. If you have one of those in your handbag right now, my deepest sympathies. (laughs) What a come down that would have been for Jesus to become a baby. He came for one reason alone, to die. Jesus didn't just come to teach great truths, although he did that. Jesus didn't just come to cast out demons, although he did that. And Jesus didn't just come to heal the sick, although he did that. Jesus came to die. In our place. Because that's the only way we'd ever be able to have our sins removed. So God came down from heaven to earth in the form of a baby. And one day, this same Jesus who created the whole universe is going to come back again, not as a baby this time, in the clouds, in the sky with great power and glory. And when he does, it's game over. So you and I only have a limited time here on this earth. And it's running out every day. It's running through our hands like sand every day. One day, you and I are each going to stand before the Lord in heaven. We need to be ready for that day to meet Jesus. 
and stand before him. And Jesus has promised us, his followers, eternal life. So the good news is we're going to live forever. Our bodies will die, but our spirit is going to live forever. Now let's dispel a few myths today, shall we? Are you ready? There is no purgatory. It's nowhere in the Bible, and it never has been. Also, there is no reincarnation. You are not coming back as a budgie. Oh, no. The Bible only speaks about two places. One, eternal life with Jesus forever, heaven, or eternal separation from Jesus forever, hell. You don't have to go to hell because he's made a way for us to go to heaven. You can choose to go to hell if you want to and pay for your own sins, but we don't have to. He's paid for our sins. He's made a way for us to go to heaven. There's no purgatory. There's no reincarnation. There's no other crazy new age idea. We have to base our faith on what God says in the Bible. I was going to brandish my Bible high in the air at that point, but I left it at home. Sorry. Still in holiday mode. Yeah, PJ, wave yours around from the back row. There you go. (laughs) Got to base our faith on what the Bible says. Not make up some fantasy in our minds about what happens in eternity. Oh, but I believe it. I believe this thing I've got in my mind. I believe it. Well, just because we believe a thing passionately does not make it true. For example, I can believe with all my heart that a bus will come to my house and stop at my letterbox on a Sunday morning and pick me up at my front door for church at 9am. Now, I can speak out that belief. I can passionately believe it. I can write it down. I can heartily believe it. And I can tell other people that a bus is coming for me at 9am. But there is such a thing as the bus timetable that I must consult. Because if I actually look at the bus timetable, it tells me, no, 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 Eleanor, you actually have to get off your butt and walk up a couple of blocks to Cambridge Road and catch the bus up there at the bus stop at 8.30am. So I need to base my faith on the bus timetable written by the dude who knows when the buses are coming because he scheduled them. He's timetabled them. Unless I base my faith on the trusted and true bus timetable, my faith is groundless and I am deluded. My fervently held belief is merely a fantasy. No matter how passionately I believe it with all my heart and mind that the bus is gonna come to my house at 9am, it won't come. I need to follow the bus timetable if I am to catch a bus to church. And so also we can believe whatever crazy thing we like. Well, after I die, I'm coming back as a butterfly. But unless we base our faith on the Bible written by God, who knows what happens after we die, who has been, has come from heaven and has been to hell and visited it for three days and has gone back to heaven. Unless we base our faith on the Bible written by God who knows all these things, then our faith is groundless and we are deluded. The universe does not revolve around a particular person's beliefs. Just because I may choose to believe a certain thing does not make it so. The universe is not suddenly rearranged to align with one individual's beliefs. The universe is already set in place by the Lord who created it. And he has set certain principles in place. And we work in with what he has created and set up. And he's written a book about all these things. 
so we can know what they are. It's called the Bible. It's still the number one best-selling book. It always has been the best-selling book in the world. That's why they don't put it on the 10 bestsellers because it's always the highest. It's the most sold book. It's the most smuggled book. It's the most stolen book. My first Bible was stolen from a halls of residence drawer. And this lovely Gideon's Bible. I think they put it there just for me, actually. But um, this is what happens. We have to get in with the program that he has set up. Now, we don't know when we'll die, but we do know that we will all die because the latest stats tell it all. 10 out of every 10 people die. Our body dies, but our spirit will live on forever in eternity. Now, the thing about eternity is it's eternal. It goes forever. It never ends. And someone has shared this word picture with me before, and I'll share it with you again. I probably have before. Um, This is not the Bible. It's just a picture to show us how long eternity is. Um, Imagine a huge pyramid of sand. And every one million years, a bird flies along and takes away one grain of sand in its beak. It flies away. A million years passes by. Another bird comes, takes away one grain of sand in its beak. Flies away again. A million years passes by. And when that pyramid of sand has gone, it's still not the end of eternity. Eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. We must make sure we are all prepared for eternity now while there is time, while we still have breath because sometimes some people do enter eternity earlier than they had planned to. So what do we do? Do we just take this gift of eternal life that Jesus has given us through the cross? I hope so. Or do we just live however the heck we like? If it feels good, do it. And then plan to scrape in at the last minute on a deathbed prayer. Do we think, yeah, I'll live like a pagan in my youth. And then I'll suddenly get spiritual when I hit the rest home. And what if our plan does not unfold the way that we hoped it would? What if a drunk driver takes us out early and we are propelled into eternity in a single moment? What then? Are we ready for that? Are you ready for that? We've got to live ready every day, ready to meet Jesus face to face at any moment. Don't let that day take you by surprise. It is coming. Tell the person next to you, she's right, you know. Amen. Oops, I just wanted a drink of tea. That's really what happened. Number three, third scripture. Here we go. Acts 4 verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And that name is, come on, a bit louder. Thank you, Jesus. There's no other way that we can be saved. Only through the name of Jesus. You know, I could take you to a grave of an occultist and we know that guy's dead. I could take you to the grave of Buddha and we know he's dead. I could even take you to the grave of a new age guru and we know She's dead, but I can't take you to the grave of the Son of God because he is alive. He didn't stay in it. He only needed it for the weekend. Then he busted it open and he went back up to heaven 40 days later. Do you know, while we were still mongrel sinners, Jesus died in our place. And not only did he die, he came alive again. He defeated death and he proves he has authority over death by his supernatural resurrection. 
Jesus took our place. He became the ultimate sacrifice. And he was paying out the price for our sin, not his. He didn't have any when he was on the cross. So he left perfect heaven, came down to sinful, corrupt earth to save us. No other deity has done that. No other deity ever loved us enough to give themselves for us. No one else has died on a cross for us. You know, in every other religion, they're trying to be good enough, perfect enough, holy enough to get up to God in heaven. But the Lord looked down and saw us helpful sinners, helpless sinners. He knew we could never get up to him. We could never be so holy. So he came down to us. And this is what makes Christianity different from every other religion. And that's what makes Jesus the only way to God, the only way to heaven. Because Buddha, Krishna, none of them died for you and I on a cross. Only Jesus did. He made a way for us to get right with God. Fourth scripture. Oh, we're on fire this morning. We're up to number four already. John 14, verse six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There it is again. And we can't get to heaven by being a good person. We can never be good enough. There'll be a lot of good people in hell who thought they were good, who thought they were good enough. But the reality is we all deserve to be in hell because we're all sinners. We've all got our own way. We've all broken his rules. Christians are not perfect. They're just forgiven. Christians are no better than anyone else. They've just found the answer. It's like every human being is a starving beggar, but the Christians have found the food and they're telling everyone else where to find it. You know, my friend... Um, who I met at school, my last year at school. I was in a new school, and she told me about Jesus, and she took me along to a connect group. She took me along to youth group. Then she took me to church, and then she took me to this crusade at the race course. This was over a series of months, and all the time I was like, oh, yeah. And it was nice, but I wasn't committing. But then she told me I should start reading the Bible and praying, so I did. And then God started answering my prayers, and it freaked me right out. And I don't know when I got saved, but I know I was baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit 14 months after meeting her. But when I met Jesus, I came alive. And my life, it was like my life started at that point when I was nearly 19, when Jesus came into my life. And I bawled my eyes out when I got baptized in water. Meeting Jesus has been the best thing that has ever happened to me. And it can happen to you if it hasn't yet. We've just got to ask him to come into our hearts, and he will. And this is my last scripture, and I think I shared this scripture last month when I was here. Um, fifth scripture, Psalm 34, verse 8. But we'll say it again. Taste and see that the Lord is good, which basically means you've got to taste it. You've got to try him for yourself. And again, I talked about Fijoa juice last time. Oh, let's go with ginger ale this time. You know, if you're from, if you've been brought up in Antarctica and you had never tasted ginger ale, and I tried to tell you about, it, yeah, you should have some ginger ale. Here's a bottle of Bundaberg, all the way from Bundy in Queensland. Try it, try it. It's good. And you're like, oh, well, I don't know, what, what's it like? And I could say, well, it's kind of. I'll try and explain it to you. It's kind of fizzy and it's kind of sweet and it's. Um, gingery and they're like oh I've never had ginger what's it like and I'm trying to explain it but I can't you've just got to taste it for yourself I can tell you how amazing Jesus is but you won't know until you try it for yourself have a go taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good you've got to invite him inside your heart 
And then what will happen is his love will so fill you up right to the top and then overflow you and transform you that you won't even recognize yourself. And it's like your life will start right then. And right now is a great time in your life for you to get right with God. And if, if you're under 20, I just want to encourage you, or under 25, <laughs> that's young. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you haven't been baptized in water or in the Holy Spirit, what are you waiting for? Just do it. Come and see me after, or come and talk to um, Gay on the info desk, because I know we have baptisms out here as well. Or maybe you're a new Christian, you haven't been baptized in water yet. Go and see Gay. You've got to start getting baptized. It's powerful. Believe and be baptized, the Bible says. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit at the same time. Come and see me after. We'd love to pray for you on the altar at the end. You know, we've got to serve God hard out when we're a new Christian, when we're a young person, and then it sets the pace for our whole lives. If you're not fired up about Jesus when you're in your teens and your 20s, when you're a new Christian, don't expect it to kick in during middle age. It's when you're a new Christian, it's when you're in your teens and 20s, you set the tone and pace for your whole life. If you serve Jesus in the, when you're a new Christian, when you're a young person, with all your passion and energy, that sets you up for your whole future. And no matter what you've done, I just want to say God loves you and he wants you in his family. And here's a story. This is a true story. I don't know if any of you have heard of Jacob Koshy. He grew up in Singapore. He had one driving ambition, to be a success in life, to get heaps of money and heaps of stuff, which led him into the world of drugs and gambling, and eventually he became the lord of an international smuggling network. It was the year 1980, and he was arrested and placed in a government drug rehab prison in Singapore. He was frustrated. He was just locked up in this tiny cell, heart was cold and empty. All his goals and purposes and ambitions were just locked up with him in that cell. He couldn't do anything. And he was a chain smoker, but of course that was contraband in prison. So he would smuggle in tobacco and he would rip pages out of those little Gideon's Bibles, like the one I found in the halls of residence, those little blue ones. And one day he fell asleep while he was smoking. And when he woke up, he found a cigarette had totally burned out. And all that remained was this little scrap of charred paper. And he unrolled it, and he read what was written there. It said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, what What does that mean? So he asked for another Bible, and he read the entire story in Acts of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. And he suddenly realized that if God could help someone like Saul, then God could help him too. And he prayed, and he asked Jesus to come into his life right there in his cell, and said, Jesus, come in and change me. And he began crying, and he couldn't stop crying. And God washed away his pain with those tears and redeemed him. And he started sharing his story and testimony of Jesus with other prisoners. As soon as he was released, he became involved in a church. And he met a Christian woman, and he got married, and they're missionaries now in Asia. And he tells a story far and wide. Who would have believed I could find salvation and truth by smoking the word? of God. Isn't that awesome? I'll ask Ash and um, Gail to come and join me if that's all right. You know, if we're serious about following Jesus, it simply starts with a decision. And you can make that decision any day. And in Revelation 21, it talks about the Lamb's book of life. 
Now the lamb is another name for Jesus, the lamb of God, because he was sacrificed in our place. Now the lamb's book of life, you might think, what is that? It's Jesus' reservation book for heaven. Jesus knows those who are his. And when we give our heart to Jesus, he writes our name in his book. It's like his reservation book for heaven. And so I've got a question for you today. Is your name in the book? You know, when Alan and I, we like to go out for dinner, and one of our favorite restaurants is Harborside Restaurant. It's the old Tauranga Yacht Club. It's by the water, and we often take guest speakers there after they preach for lunch or dinner at church. But because it's such a popular restaurant, I know we could miss out if we just rock up. So what I do is I call ahead to make sure my name gets in the book, in the reservation book. And then when I do, I'm not disappointed. I know there's a place there for us. And it's a bit like that. You don't have to worry. What am I, am I going to miss out? What's going to happen when I die and, or when I'm raptured and I stand before Jesus? Is there going to be room in heaven for me? You don't have to worry about missing out. You don't have to worry, is my name in the book? You could call ahead right now. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can call on him right now and you can get your name in his book so you know you don't have to miss out. So I ask you again, is your name in the book? Nothing else we ever do in life is as vital as getting our name in his book. What is the point of having Millions of dollars if you don't have your name in his book. What's the point of having huge amounts of education and degrees if you don't have your name in the book? What's the point of being world famous and a celebrity if you don't have your name in the book? In God's eyes, there are only two categories of people, lost and found. Those who have found Jesus and those who haven't found him yet. Today is a day for you to find Jesus, if you haven't yet. Today is a day you can move from I hope I get to heaven to I know I'll get to heaven. You can know for sure by surrendering your life to Jesus today. Let's stand this morning.